Yup. Saber Jr. Yup. Zack Saber Jr. Yup. Welcome to Business Wrestling Spotlight on the Indie Corner Network. I'm Benno. And I'm Joe. And I'm JP. It's been a little while since our last show, so we'll go through uh, what we've been watching uh, since the last time we got together. And just having a bit of a catch-up on, I suppose, the uh, the state of, of BritRes uh, as it stands midway through 2017. So uh, before we start then, Joe, JP, how do I find you? How have you been? I've uh, been alright, been alright. Um, felt very sort of... Uh wrestled out after super strong style let's say which was great um so yeah, a little bit of a break recently let's just say a bit of a well i suppose there was new japan but uh, a little bit of recovery time after super strong style um but yeah generally all right yeah same here um getting back into the swing of uh going to brit rest this weekend uh with the um uh, the latest Fight Club Pro show on Friday. Outside of that, after Strong Style and being on my feet for three days, I needed a bit of a, a bit of a break to be <laughs> able to rest up. But feeling good and fighting fit. I was going to say. How about yourself? All good. Yeah, I was going to say we're going to get into uh, Super Strong Style a touch, uh, at least from my perspective, mm-hmm. from watching on the VOD uh, mm-hmm. for the full live take on it. I was going to mention you, know, you two guys covered it for the Indie Corner. You can find that mm-hmm. uh, in the feed. Those uh, two episodes that you both did, which I, I really enjoyed. And JP, you were on with uh, Stu of the Indie Corner as well, weren't you? Previewing that very show. So if you haven't had the chance to see Super Strong Style uh, 16 yet, maybe uh, go back and uh, listen to that show and listen to JP break it down. And I'm sure. Every single one of your predictions turned out right. right I got one me? wrong. Oh no! One wrong. <laughs> I had Andrew. I had Andrews beating Flamita. Oh wow! And uh, that was the only one. But then we'll 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 get into sort of. Reminds me of that accumulator I put on WrestleMania 29 when I was sure that Mark Henry was no way beating Ryback, oh, and wow. uh, Mark Henry beat Ryback, and. Uh, <laughs> I think that yeah. that one match spoiled so many betting slips, myself included. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when people say to you, "What are you doing putting bets on wrestling matches for?" You know it's fake, and it's like, "No, I I can predict it. I I know what the WWE are going to do. It's easy money. You just never know what they're going to do, do you? So it never works out." Yeah. I live for the day someone starts putting bets on uh, on Brit Res. Maybe we can start betting on the uh, the next Progress show or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, they'll they'll stitch us up deliberately in that case. Yeah, but then when the results start leaking out, oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the thing with Super Strong Style, wasn't it? Before that started, there was all the. Uh, I was going to talk about the uh, the work in a rest hold uh, shows getting cancelled on this show today, and on their. I think it was. I think it was on their podcast, or there was a bit of a scoop that uh, all of the different names from Super Strong Style kind of got leaked, didn't they? I know uh, Ollie who does uh, British Audio Wrestling with me uh, reported a <clears> couple <throat> of names as well. Uh, they're not. They're not happy about uh, things getting out like that. Progress are they? So uh, I'm not quite but sure. Sometimes the wrestlers. Uh... Uh, like Jeff Cobb told us directly, and Riddle told us directly mm-hmm. that we were just chatting to them uh, that they were in Super Strong Star. Zach did as well. Yeah, I think that did David Starr as well. I'm sure David Starr. I think did as David well. 
Yeah, he 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 did sort of leak it beforehand. Yeah, so if that if you know the wrestlers are telling fans, you know, it's not it's not the biggest deal ever. Like, what really is it actually exactly spoiling? Let's be honest. That's kind of the thing, isn't it? It's, a, it's the old saying, isn't it? If you want to get uh, some news, I'll just tell a wrestler, and uh, before you know it, it will uh, <laughs> it will spread like wildfire. I've definitely heard those uh, stories about Riddle uh, himself. Uh, okay, well, but while we're uh, talking about it and we'll, we'll get to super strong style but we're going to talk about a few other shows this month as well mm-hmm. uh, we're going to do a bit of a catch-up on, on what we've been watching there won't be a, a feature review uh, as we normally do but we'll try and spend a bit of time on the different shows we're going to talk about and as well as the different promotions we're going to talk about where they stand mm-hmm. uh, as uh, as we are in june of uh, 2017 so to get us started um Joe, uh, jp even uh where, mm-hmm. where have you been over the last month or so what have you been watching and uh, what do you want to talk about well, the two shows I was going to just sort of talk about as a briefing, we're going to end up, um, no doubt going into, into detail about them as promotions as well, was the Fight Club Pro, um, DTTI, Dream Tag Team Invitational, hangover show at the new venue of the Starworks Warehouse that, um, me, Joe, and Joe's brother Sam, who will never speak on this podcast, <laughs> um, the, that we went to. And the Attack Pro Wrestling show that I saw on uh, VOD, uh, Press Start, um, the the very interesting and unique show and really good fun. Um, so first of all, we went uh, was the Fight Club Pro uh, show, which was from uh, 19th of May. And it was at the new venue of the uh, Starworks Warehouse. Um, now, I know, Benno, you never got a chance to go to the fiction slash fishing warehouse. Is it fiction? Is it fishing? I'm not too sure. I was here, Joe, say oh. fishing, and it makes me think I've been getting it wrong this entire yeah, time. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I said one of the wrestlers say fishing. I don't know. I think so. I'll go I might with be that wrong. Then. Yeah, I never no. managed to get there, and I was good to the bar because I think we said on this podcast oh. a couple of times, so I need to make the trip. I need to make the trip, and there you go. It's too late. I mean, how how is the, uh, the Starworks uh, warehouse compared to... Uh, the fiction or fishing? I have to say it's fantastic. Um, it seems to be doubling up as their new venue for um, for where they do their their training for the Fight Club Pro Fight Club Pro School um, that Travis Banks is the head trainer for. So if you follow him on Instagram or on Twitter, you'll see he's putting up lots of clips of kind of their training routines that they're doing, and that's inside there as well. Um, it is a former, it's in the middle of a sort of a very big industrial estate, which if you've been to Wolverhampton, there's one or two of those around. Um, very big, incredibly cavernous. Um, it's like half of the actual warehouse was kind of taped off. And there was a very small issue they had in terms of if you went over halfway through the ring, they'd lose the mic connection. And then you'd have Trent and Shane back to uh, uh, Scott behind the scenes to, to sort out sort out the sound. But as a venue, um, it was it really big. Um, lots of I mean, they probably only had about four hundred or so. Would you say? Yeah, but they could get so many more in. Yeah. I think they're going to get a lot of walk up on the day of these shows. Um, yeah, because they could probably fit thousand in there quite easily. Um, but. I don't know how many... They can probably just keep selling tickets and selling tickets and selling tickets. Trent Seven has said that they don't necessarily have a limitation on their capacity. Yeah, yeah you could sort of see, whereas the fiction, obviously, was so tight. But the build, the design of the building uh, just suited the promotion so much yeah. because you've got kind of like um, like sawdust, like sort mm. of floors and like kind of... Um, 
you've got like wooden panels that look like very sort of uh, industrial of like a kind of half built built sort of battered old building site yeah. um and also the sort of location in this sort of industrial grey part of Wolverhampton in this really old rundown building, it really kind of suits the vibe and the yep. kind of appearance, like the fight club sort of appearance that the promotion is going for as well. It has so completely the aesthetic they're looking at. Yeah, it buys into their image in a big way. Yeah. I mean, my favourite thing about watching those shows is that, you know, the fans in the building seem to find the, the strangest vantage points uh, to watch shows. I definitely saw some <laughs> some two guys who look very uh-huh. much like you two up a ladder on a show <laughs> yeah, in the fiction at one point. That was great. That was <laughs> tremendous. We were literally underneath the hard cam. That's I mean, the best like views I'll ever have at a show ever, I think. Oh, I think we could balance a beer, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe nobody told you to get down, but I suppose health and safety isn't the uh, the most important thing when you're in a dirty warehouse like that. I definitely look like the best seat in the house. I, I think that's one of the beautiful things about Fight Club Pro. No one gives a shit. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like anything goes. Any potential so health, health and safety employees. Um, pretty turn, turn off now, but yeah, that I don't think they care. Um, and in fact, you kind of saw that with one of the matches in the car. Now, I won't go through all of, all of the matches they, they had on there. Um, it was a, it was a six match card. Um, but they had a kind of wild, uh, match with, um, Angelico, Jordan Devlin, Dan Maloney, Jimmy Havoc, Clint Mar, Clint Margera and Eddie Dennis. And it was all, it was going, kind of going all round the part that they had tapered off for, um, for the show itself. So they made good use of it. And so you found fans kind of just leaving their seats and running over to the other sides where the merch tables were. Um, and it was tremendous because they were, and you had people who actually kind of run the venue as well, watching and getting really into it at the same time. Um, if I, one thing I would like to say, and it's, and it's, uh, and it's as credit of anything else for the Fight Club Pro training school. Um, they had a match. Uh, at the start with uh, effectively four trainees, one of which is is a guy that, that I've really gotten into in a couple of shows that I've seen, uh, Amari, mm. who looks a tremendous wrestler. Well, I think there's uh, some WWE interest there with him as well, isn't there? I know that yeah. when the last set of tryouts, he was kind of he was in the photos, but he seemed to be in the he was the one guy in a suit in the background while everyone else was taking bumps. I'm not sure what that was about. Whether I don't know where they they just wanted him there just to get a bit of experience or just yeah. to have him around. I wonder if he was. I thought he was someone's plus one. So a photo opportunity, maybe. Yeah. No, no. I could see them liking him though. Like, say he's got he's got the height, he's got charisma, he's got a presence as well. I mean, he's obviously the finished article, is he? But there's there's definitely something there with him. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I was saying on the podcast with Shu that that this is a guy who I kind of expect to see in progress over the over the next year. I even thought if there was going to be any surprises of anyone sort of being introduced to the crowd um, this weekend, that maybe Amari would be one of the one of those guys because you can see that he does need another realistically a year two years of seasoning would, would really suit him down to the ground but he's kind of the next tier of he's in that next tier of guys who are going to be starting starting to come up through the ranks um so there was him there was kyle fletcher george dalloway not galloway um although that would have been really interesting to see in there and uh, jake mccluskey and they had a, a dart match uh before the crowd and it's the first time i'd seen kyle fletcher and I think that, again, this is a guy to keep your eyes out for. He's from Australia. Um, really, you know, he's, he's, he's come out of here. He used to train with Travis Banks 
um, when Travis Banks will be working some shows in Australia. Um, but he's come over here. He's he's in Wolverhampton now. Um, Alex Cupid as well is now training up at Fight Club Pro along with uh, Chuck Mambo. There, um, Chuck Mambo. Chuck Mambo. Yep, he's 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 training up there apparently with with Fight Club Pro. Um, so they seem to be getting the kind of recommendations. You'll be happy about seeing him in a few Fight Club Pro shows. Yeah, delighted. Um, he might even work some of the shows rather than sort of just the watching him with his mates. Yeah, that's all he ever seems to be. So we're meeting two crowd. magnums at the same time at one show. That was quite. A <laughs> that was a super strong style sixteen. Yeah, he had his uh, he had his two double magnums, magnum. double magnum on the go. Quirky. Yeah. Um, there was so there was there was that show. There were uh, sorry, there was that match. Um, there was a match between Joe Coffey and Wolfgang. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was not so old back. It was boring. It, it, it wasn't very Fight Club Pro either. No, it really wasn't, and it wasn't something that captured the imagination of the crowd for us. The crowd seemed quite bored. It wasn't. Mm your ideal opener and it got quite a bit of time as well yeah it, it yeah it, it did it got too much time um it was the first time we'd seen chris um in a match with Kay ray which was good when it got going at points but at times this tends to be sort of slow down and comedy spots involving the fact that chris wolf's not very tall um so that was uh, that was that was okay um I will say, though, in terms of uh, the two matches that really stick out, the first of which, and you have to see this on the VOD. Um, this is the best comedy match I've ever seen. Yeah, the greatest comedy match ever seen. Um, Shea Purser, uh, um, just after his 18th birthday, and the fans bring the alcohol match against uh, the Session Moth Martina. Um, and it was tremendous, to the point of Shea coming out uh, to Steve Austin's music. <laughs> <laughs> With two bottles of water, not beer. Um, complete Joel Allen sticking on a, a bin bag to make sure that he wasn't <laughs> covered. Um, the odd kind of couple of moves, and then they're going round, just sort of taking swigs of people's beer as they went around. Martina struggling to keep down some um, cheap fizz, some Prosecco, that went around all over the place. But it was brilliant for what it was. If they're going to do... And this is really where Martina... I have to say, even though there is that snarky part of me that's like, yeah, well, where's the work rate? Actually, this she is perfect for. I was going to say, I mean, this is pretty much matches. the perfect use of Martina, is it? I mean, Shay Pearson is is great comically for all times, and yeah, exactly. Put it in there, put him in there with it with Martina, and you've got a bit of a match made in heaven. I did see a couple of videos from this one, like you said. Yeah. I mean, Shay coming out to, to Steve Austin's theme and just doing the whole Austin thing. It, it felt like a bit of a throwback to uh, when CJ Banks was doing that at the, uh, the attack yes. show a couple of, a couple oh, of months yeah. ago, but yeah, it's just ideal. I mean, Shay Purse, uh, there could be legs. I know he's, he's probably the, one of the most uh, famous referees in the country at this point, but he's still no. young. There could be legs in him as a wrestler, but I suppose he's got the uh, the size uh, playing against him, hasn't he? I just think this is a good grounding for him as well. Like, he's probably learning more in mm. this role as well, because I imagine he still trains as well. Yeah. In terms of like understanding character and what to do as a character in different situations, no, he's going to get something from it as well. Um, yeah. My favourite thing about this was as they got drunker during the match. They came closer together, and the kind of drunken, kind of like, um, well, shape her. So sort You're of my drunk, best mate. Yeah, stuff. drunkly being yeah. on the pool was uh, <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. And then when they sort of were getting together as the match went on, as they sunk more alcohol, that was 
yeah, that was kind of a, a great culmination of this weird, weird, weird match, let's say. Absolutely. But yeah. it completely worked. I mean, um, and even on the VOD, I've gone back and w- watched over it again and, and, and get really enjoyed it. And primarily it was kind of, that was the match, you know, one of the, one of the two kind of big, um, selling points for this show, as well as the, the, the main event of Trent Seven, Travis Banks. And that was, uh, it, it was what you would expect it to be, which is a really good match between two of the kind of top run guys in, in Brit Rest at the minute. Um, particularly, uh, the fact that they do work clearly so, so well together. They're, they're kind of linked together because of Fight Club Pro. Um, Trent made a good joke at the beginning about, cause it was the day before the NXT show in Chicago. And he was saying, obviously, at this point in time, they had the UK tournament on at the same time as that was going on. And he's going, and if I beat Pete Dunn tonight, then I'll be, uh, <laughs> I'll be going, I'll be going to Chicago. Sorry, not Orlando, Chicago to, <laughs> To, to wrestle Tyler Bate and he's, and he was checking Sky Scanner to see if there were flights that were able to get him over there in time, just in case. <laughs> um, but an absolutely cracking show and any doubts that anyone might well have had about the new move to Starworks and the new venue, it doesn't matter. It's absolutely fine. It, it's, it is the, the fission warehouse, just bigger, more cavernous, but at the same time, still kind of keeps the aesthetic and embodies the same spirit. Absolutely embodies completely embodies the same spirit. And so I'm really looking forward to the show on Friday, um, which has got, uh, Pete, Pete Dunne, Travis Banks rematch, um, Haskins, Jordan Devlin and Will Ospreay and Mustache Mountain CCK. Basically all of, uh, progress's current top feuds. Absolutely. Potentially done better at Fight Club Pro in the bizarro world where, uh, CCK are uh, heels and, uh, mustache mountain faces. Bit odd that one. I mean, speaking of progress, I mean, you mentioned Mm. the, the venue, uh, for Fight Club Pro. You know, it's, it's never an easy thing to change. And obviously they go into the Starworks warehouse and some yep. are skeptical. And it's, it's great to hear that, you know, from a, a live experience, it's as good and it captures Fight Club Pro. And yeah. it's just great that they can do that. They can go down the road and have a bigger build. It's perfect for them. Whereas Progress probably do need a bigger building than they've got in Camden. They do need a bigger building, the electric ballroom, but uh, I don't think they're going to find one anytime in London soon, yeah. are they? And they're kind of somewhere. So, I mean, I was going to ask about, I mean, Fight Club Pro, uh, mm. they've had, they've had, they had an amazing 2016 and they seem to be having an even stronger uh, 2017. I mean, what do you see the future for Fight Club Pro? Do you see them, uh, raising up? I mean, the Dream Tag Team Invitational that we were all at definitely mm-hmm. felt like a, like a, I don't know, just a, the perfect coming out party for Fight Club yeah. Pro. It was this hidden secret that we kind of were all aware of for, for quite a few years now. Mm. It's not a young promotion. Um, but all of a sudden they're, they're right in the forefront, are they? And they're offering maybe something that maybe some would say progress are losing with their, uh, WWE tie-in Fight Club Pro are kind of now the underground, uh, punk group. Although I say that, you know, in full knowledge that, uh, the Trent Seven's very much, uh, in charge over there, or at least his brother is. I mean, what, yeah. what do you see? This is the future for Fight Club Pro. They kind of remind me of what IWA Mid-South was to Ring of Honor in the mid-2000s. So you had Ring of Honor, which was kind of the, uh, can you say it was a mainstream indie, but it was the, in, the buzz indie that had more attention on it. But then you had sort of IWA Mid-South, Bubbling Under as a promotion that ex- existed for years, but then kind of capitalised on that kind of boom period in the American indies. 
and stuff like the Ted Petty Invitational, which I know sold a lot of DVDs for, I'm pretty sure it was it Smart Mark Video at the time it would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, still going. Oh, really? Yeah, and then they got, got lots of attention put on them because they were using really good wrestlers and using a mix of wrestlers that not only appeared in Ring of Honor, but guys that Ring of Honor then picked up because they got a buzz on them. And it, Fight Club Pro kind of reminds me of that. When you look at Fight Club Pro's booking and Progress's booking, man, there are some uh, interesting coincidences that have occurred. <laughs> um, yes. It always seems like Fight Club Pro are maybe a little bit ahead of the trend with certain wrestlers and with the way they've booked certain wrestlers. So Travis Banks, for example, didn't he win the, um, I can't remember the name of the tournament that they did in Fight Club Pro last year that Travis Banks won um, to get a title shot. Um, and then obviously that culminated with him being... Pete Dunn uh, for the title and it's looking like Travis Banks has won a tournament in Super Strong Style 16 in progress which is kind of his coming out party in progress and he's probably going to be Pete Dunn for the uh, progress title at some point so it just seems like there are lots of coincidences with the booking there so I sort of see it as that sort of I don't want to say feeder promotion but that promotion that sort of I'm not saying that progress fans aren't fans that are um necessarily interest uh, aren't interested in independent wrestling but i think progress is your more mainstream accessible indie especially with the wwe kind of machine and vehicle behind it as well there's fight cup prize that little bit harder to seek out it's also that little bit harder to get to progress has got camden which obviously is a central london reasonably easy to get to mm. so if you want to go to a fight club pro show you've got to get to wolverhampton on a uh, wet and windy Friday night. Um, it's always raining. Yeah. I think that the always biggest problem, I mean, for, for me, I mean, I'm coming from somewhat afar in the northwest of England, getting, and you, you kind of look at it and go, well, Wolves is kind of in the middle of the country. But the problem is, in this country, when trains are uh, finishing about 10 and 10.30, yeah. and even if Fight Club Pro promise you they're going to finish at a certain time, it's Brit Res, it's Fight Club Pro, it's probably not going to happen. Um, I've four or five of their shows now, and I've made sure that I've driven to every show because, mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah, I just don't know what time the show's going to end. I don't want to end up in the situation that, say, the likes of Stu have ended up in when they've had to leave shows early yeah. due to public transport. So, as much as I'd like to have a drink at a Fight Club Pro show, um, I also like to know that I'm going to be able to get home and watch the show as well. Yeah. That's what I like about when they've done Manchester shows. There seems to be a, a difference there when they do the Sunday shows in Manchester, mm-hmm. Fight Club Pro. They treat it like progress do, and it's an afternoon show, and it's done by 7, 8 p.m., something like that. Mm. It's ideal for people traveling from afar, and I don't know if they're doing that because they're thinking, oh, shit, we've got to get back to Wolverhampton, so let's uh, let's make it finish a bit early. I don't know whether afternoon shows are work for Fight Club Pro. I don't know whether you'd lose some of you know what they are um, with not having you know a, yeah, a Friday night, Saturday night kind of vibe. Yeah, it would be it would be good for that. I mean, I'm I'm having to stay over on Friday because uh, no chance of getting any trains back. Um, which is funny because they've got an after party as well. I'm bringing my girlfriend along for her first Fight Club Pro show as well, so should be interesting. And like I say, with the with the after party, should be good fun, which is in the same venue mm. until about four a.m. So it's like oh, that's going to be a heavy night then in that case. Um, but you mentioned about Fight Club Pro and, and where they are now. I mean, one thing they've got is all of their tickets on sale for for the rest of the years. Um, and uh, they've got uh, their Project Mayhem two day um, two day show in in September. And I think they're at the point now where if you look at their big cartel page, they are kind of expanding a lot more in terms of merch, in terms of the kind of 
tickets that, that are on. So, I mean, looking at it now, I mean, you can still get some front row tickets for for some of the shows. And I would say to anyone who hasn't been before, you know, cheapest tickets are £12.50. What can you get for £12.50 these days in terms of actual entertainment? I mean, you know, cinema can cost as much as that. I think how much a WWE show Oh, to go to yeah, exactly. To sit, to sit in the cheap sheets. Cheap seats. Even. In the O2 in a horrible venue where there's no yeah. atmosphere mm. and you can hardly see anything. But, I mean, I would say that they're, they're really... I can see them with this venue. I can see it working. I think, you know, in terms of the numbers they're going to be getting in is, is going to be really good and really solid. Yet, at the same time, they haven't had to change who they are. It fits in with the kind of progression of buildings they've gone from the planet to the fission to Starworks. Yeah. You can upward trend... And it feels, you know, at the risk of saying, you know, in terms of independent, independent wrestling, it, it feels like comparing that kind of independent brewery to Brewdog, uh, <laughs> to Brewdog. Progress, the Brewdog of British wrestling and, uh, e. Fight Club Pro are the, um, that kind of independent. The, the, the proper independent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. I, I think, um, Fight Club Pro as well are very self-aware of who mm-hmm. they are as a promotion. Whereas, not to compare it to Progress, but I just think Progress has suffered a bit of an identity crisis uh, recently as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I don't know, maybe finding that identity crisis quite hard to uh, accept, in a way. Um, mm. So, yeah, all power to Fight Club Pro. They've definitely got my attention for the foreseeable uh, mm. future. I think, I mean, similar to you mentioned, Fight Club Pro, I mean, I think that, compared to Progress, I think the, the big difference is with Fight Club Pro, it does feel to me sometimes like the shows are... Uh, almost like spot shows, you can kind of dive in and out of Fight Club Pro. Yeah, yes. uh, whereas with Progress, they're trying to tell, you know, by uh, whether it's a good or bad thing, trying to tell longer term stories. Some of them work out uh, better than others. Uh, I'm sure we could, yeah. probably, we could all uh, talk about some of the, the misses that Progress have had recently. Uh, mm-hmm. Things do seem to be looking up over there. But yeah, Fight Club Pro are, are maybe similar to Attack as well. Like Attack is a promotion I kind of feel like uh, I don't get to see every show from Attack, but when I do get to see them, it, it, it's kind of a, I can dive in, I can quickly understand what's going on, mm. uh, I know who the good guys are, I know who the bad guys are, mm. and I say that, although uh, this show you're about to talk about, Jim, yeah. kind of turned all that on its head, didn't it? Yeah, Press Start 5, yeah, it was, um, I don't even know how we're going to go about beginning it, it was <laughs> the idea that there is the, they they have their GameCube, um, which effectively bust, so what ended up happening was everybody a lot of the wrestlers played other wrestlers for the night effectively to think of that it's it's um kind of interesting so you had the ring announcer dressed up as the female ring announcer you had chris roberts playing shay purser shay purser playing chris roberts um which meant roberts got cheered um then there was i mean the opening match kind of sums it up in a way with uh bolarama being played by CCK against CCK, who are played by Bolarama. And because CCK beat Bolarama, which is actually Bolarama beating CCK, for anyone confused about it, it meant CCK kept the titles. <laughs> <laughs> which I have to say, in terms of creativity, it completely works. And it sounds like the kind of thing that Vince Russo might book in a way, but then at the same time, it's in the context of attack. Yeah. So it works. 
But if Vince Russo booked it, you know it would be utter shit. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And then you had Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate, just with Tyler Bate dressed as Pete Dunne. And um, Pete Dunne with a fake moustache um, wrestling as Tyler Bate. Um, and then it, and then, and which was, again, it's them two. It was, it was a really good match. Not, I mean, don't go expecting NXT Chicago. Um, but at the same time, then you had the anti fun police came out, which, um, was kind of strange in the sense you had Mark Andrews, Eddie Dennis and Flash Morgan Webster as the anti fun police. Um, at various points, you had uh, Eddie Dennis's Ryan Smile, Bird and Ball played each other uh, as a different match, and um, then they had Mark uh, Travis Banks as Mark Andrews. So, in terms of a kind of wacky show, and because they're obviously quite, they're almost like that kind of lighter side of Fight Club Pro. Not to say that Fight Club Pro is very dark, but they seem to be... No, it feels like a sister promotion. It's a sister promotion, doesn't it? The show you went to was... It was a joint show. Yeah. Attack Club Pro. Um, But a really, really fun show. Um, I'm hoping to go to one of their Bristol shows over the summer because I do now feel like the need. I need to go and see this live. Um, And like you say, they're really fun. They're playing around with the kind of conventions of wrestling, which is always good to see. Um, yeah, really, really wacky. And again, like you said before, with Fight Club Pro about dipping in and out. It it doesn't feel, I mean, this it's obviously good, you know, in terms of Drew Park and knowing where they're going with that story, but you can sort of dip into attack if you haven't seen all of the shows and still enjoy it as a show. Um, so yeah, I'd highly recommend that. To, to everyone it was kind of bonkers but in a good way yeah, it was one of those shows that i think it, it's almost uh, well experienced via gifts if anyone saw the uh, the fine work of uh, galato dan on twitter the, uh, yes. the night the show came out it was yeah. just, like, i was watching it and you just see like you say uh, uh, the supposedly fsu coming out and uh, the brothers of construction coming out and yeah seeing you know it's just and wcw drew um, just the whole uh, reverse. It's kind. Of, it's something you don't really see in wrestling. Is it? It's something where I think Jim Cornette would be losing his mind if he happened to see any of those gifts, and uh, uh, that's all it seems to take oh. with uh, with Paul or uh, Jim these days. Um, I, I mean, I think... century wrestling though. Like what I love about uh, Attack is the sheer creativity and weirdness and the niche they've kind of created for themselves mm. with that. Sorry, Ben, I interrupted you there. No, no, it's all good. No, I completely agree. I mean, that's that's what it is, isn't it? And it's mm. like you, you touched on there, JP. I mean, Pete Dunne and, and Tyler Bates. And I think it was a couple of days before this show that their famous match at the uh, the NXT was it NXT yep. Chicago takeover. Chicago, yeah, oh, yeah, in Chicago, and then the come here and there's probably a you know you see you see them too on the bill um if you buy the dvd or you go online and think oh this is going to be you know oh, you might if you were looking for an exact match like you saw in wb mm. you're not getting that they gave you something different and i'd rather that i think that's fun i think that's oh absolutely most definitely most definitely that's yeah. so great about attack and yeah it's another one where i, I personally definitely need to uh, to get down to one of their shows uh it's a bit of a distance for me i'm hoping they run up north at uh, at some point uh but yeah definitely definitely looks worth the trip um, so the, it feels be... like the block the kind of blockbuster actors who are in a sort of a big a-list films <laughs> sort of uh come back to the uk and do uh like a nice little independent where they can express yeah. themselves and uh 
throw themselves in at the deep end and do something a little bit different. Sorry. Like local theatre or something like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, one of the things to, to mention as well, the way that Tyler Bate, as Pete Dunne, had a really badly drawn cat drawn on his, on his knee. Oh, I saw that, to, yeah. To move the two. Um, and it was, it, like, the crowds, I mean, and as well, as with most sort of Brit Rest shows, the crowd kind of dictates, um, you know, what type of crowd will dictate the kind of mood and tone of the show, which, sorry to bring it up, but in terms of what culture show, and you see the way that some of that crowd has behaved. Oh, that Newcastle crowd. Yep. Um, whereas the crowd here are completely just willing to, to go along with it. They're having fun. And that's great to see. And that's really great to see. Bit of a tangent, but with the what culture thing, it was sort of, mm. uh, from what I read, homophobic racist chanting. Is that right? I don't know about racist chanting. Certainly homophobic chanting. Sexist chanting. Yeah, lot of sexist chanting. Um, throwing oh, wow. beer into the ring as well. They were never challenged at any point. I think there was a there was a girl who said as well that there was she believed she'd been touched by one of the fans as he as he walked past her. I think that was yeah. the story. Um, there was somebody. I mean. It, the Indy Corner kind of got caught up in a little bit because somebody used to write for the website. I think he did one article. Uh, was kind of getting in the girls' uh, mentions and saying, "Oh, that didn't happen." And it was just kind of like, "I'm sorry, mate, but if <laughs> you've got absolutely no, I mean, if, if someone's going to come out, be brave enough to come out and say that something like that happened, if someone's going to be brave enough to to challenge the, you know, the inappropriate chance, and let's all be honest, what what culture kind of, uh, in a way, of uh, encouraged that." Um, they've yeah. never had an issue with it in the past. It's a very attitudinary, eerie, uh, if that's a word, kind of presentation of shows. Yeah, the show and... we went to, um, the crowd were chanting about Paige, um, taking it in a, a certain hole. Um, this is yeah. before those videos had come out as well. So maybe someone had a, <laughs> a bit of insight to that leak before. And maybe Brad Mandox was there getting the chance going. Oh, but, um, yeah, it was bloody awful. And she sat, like, sat in the front row ha- having to hear this. And it's kind of like, come on, guys. Like, have some respect for the girl. Yeah. Like, JP was one of his kids. His kids are 10 and 12. Like, ah. Yeah. It's, uh, it reminded me again of a football match. Like, it did. When I was a kid. Just with dick fans. Yeah. There. Yeah. And being in the, in the middle of it. So, yeah, there's, like I, I don't think they've done anything to challenge us. They've kind of just thought, well, they're fans and they've paid their money, so therefore they're, they're free to do what they want. And there was the, you know, there are a couple of people I saw on Twitter who was like, well, free speech, and it's like, yeah, sorry, doesn't mean you get to act like a complete dick. Yeah, I think I think what culture have come out since, since you know they've talked about uh, that we expect a more appropriate behaviour, and they haven't exactly drawn a line on the sands, but at least they're they're reacting in some form. But I think what culture we've talked about the previous, it's hard to be sympathetic towards them as a promotion sometimes, isn't it? I mean, that YouTube like parody that they tried doing, like. Just such bad taste. Well, was such a, bad taste. Very childish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to catch people up, I think what what happened was, wasn't it, that uh, that what there's this whole thing with YouTube uh, not monetizing um, certain wrestling videos, or at least reducing the amount of uh, money that you can make on. And if I say certain wrestling videos, it pretty much seems to be a catch-all for all wrestling content. Mm. Uh, it's still uh, unknown whether it actually affects the WWE or not. You would imagine not. Um, but who knows? But yeah, I think it, it was a reaction, wasn't it, to to certain YouTube ads appearing on uh, offensive content on on the on on YouTube, um, and some advertisers complaining about it, and 
but before you know it, uh, the, the hammer comes down and they've banned uh, putting ads on what they would call inappropriate content. And, mm. and wrestling's been categorized as inappropriate content. And, you know, what culture are on Twitter with, with, cro- with crocodile tears starting petitions. And it shouldn't be lost that there are smaller promotions and even what culture, you know, they're losing a, a lot mm. of money uh, from this happening. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, what culture have, have put videos on YouTube that do great hits with, you know, Drew Galloway, uh, the one I always go to, uh, he, he butted B. Priestley. Yeah, and they were so proud of that one. The GIF was on Twitter doing all kinds of retweets. And you just think, well, I mean, that is inappropriate content. That is adult content. Um, I mean, you probably shouldn't. I mean, I mean, you definitely shouldn't tar all wrestling with the same brush. But again, yeah, if you're going to be part of that, that problem, and uh, I've talked about it previously, if you... The, the thing with with YouTube and wrestling is a lot of the the videos that do big hits are, are the is the inter, intergender stuff. Um, yes. I think uh, I think it was oh, it might be Mucky Garner. I think it was. Uh, yeah. Was the Wrestlingomics uh, podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I believe it was him, um, or it might have been Brandon Howard who was saying that back it, a lot of countries that where maybe pornography is banned, um, mm-hmm. you seem to find that in those countries, a lot of intergender wrestling gets watched on YouTube. <laughs> uh, yes. I don't know if this yeah, Sounds you know. like me before I had a good internet connection, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I'll be a joke, but, you know, for us, for adults, thing. fair enough. But like you said, I mean, is that something the kids should be able to just be able to watch on YouTube right away? Some would say yes, but most would say no. So it is hard, isn't it, to, to sympathise with, with what culture and some of the problems they're having at the moment although again it, it, i suppose it's it's a place where wrestlers work and, and they do make money it don't sucks they? for the wrestlers i'll say yeah that. i just think the company are very irresponsible and they don't seem to have i can't say i like their sense of humor <laughs> put can, it I, that way. can i also say as well from a from a business perspective if this is all they're hanging their hat on for it rather than thinking about you know having a having a good vod service and and actually trying to do what promotions that we spoke about like attack and fight club pro which aren't solely reliant on on youtube revenue to come through it's like well this is what happens if you pay ridiculous amounts of money for people to come over and even just to commentate that striker um if you're willing to spend money on that then you know, more fool them. Well, if you fly in SoCal, oh no, we didn't fly SoCal Valley. You moved to Milton Keynes. I forgot about that. God knows, there's a story there. <laughs> there is a hell of a story there. Yeah, but I'm completely with you. They they yeah. spend money in the most ridiculous way. For one, why did they go to Orlando? What did that Orlando show do for them? You know, it yeah. like no, no one was really there. Didn't get a lot of buzz following WrestleMania. It just seemed like a probably a glorified holiday for the blokes running it, and they could put yeah. the expenses account. Yep. I believe, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? It's the cool thing to do now, go to go abroad, follow WrestleMania around, and I think what, what culture going over this year is the one for me. It's okay, we've hit our limit now, guys. I mean, I can't... I mean, they, they managed to fill a building, um, and I saw bits of the show, and it looked all right, but everyone can't go to WrestleMania, guys. I mean, isn't there talk yeah. of Lucha Forever going over uh, yeah. next year? Yeah. I do wonder if, like, you know, they've been around for, what, a few months, like three, four months, they kind of acquired a fan base. Have they got the buzz to really justify spending mm. that amount of money to go over to New Orleans and run shows? I suppose there might be a little bit of loyalty shown from certain wrestlers who are going to be booked that weekend over there and might be friends of the guys who promote uh, with the promoters of the company. So they might get guys that way and might be a little bit cheaper for them. But it, it just seems like they're sort of jumping on the bandwagon They've really established themselves and established like a real buzz and a real fan base, to mm. be honest. 
I think with Lucha Forever as well, I mean, they are, you say you don't want to run before you can walk, and that's pretty much, their business plan seems to be run now, and they're literally, you can go to any, pretty much any big city in the country at the moment, and Lucha Forever are probably going to be somewhere nearby running a show. Yeah. Um, they're absolutely everywhere, but it's causing problems. I mean, I, believe it's, I think it's a, it's an open secret that uh, Ryan Smile is the, is the main man there, and I believe mm-hmm. Osprey is involved as well. Um, but they've had all kinds of issues with uh, shows having to move venue. I know that happened in Manchester recently yeah um shows being outright cancelled there was a show uh i was looking to be going to uh as we record this tomorrow on friday uh in liverpool for lucha forever and uh that got cancelled at the last minute uh i know ryan smile uh said that we had there was some personal issues there which is you know obviously unfortunate and also some logistical issues as well um but i just think yeah if you if you jump in two-footed into into wrestling <clears throat> promoting, uh, I don't know anything, but it's funny. I mean, we're in this boom period of wrestling, but it feels to me like there's a lot of shows being cancelled at the moment. A lot of mm. uh, kind of a lot of bookings that the wrestlers are, are losing out on. I mean, I don't know what you guys take says on Lucha Forever at the moment. Have you have you been enjoying the shows that you've seen? Well, we went to the Southampton show that they did. Mm. Southampton is my own town. Um, uh, Live in Oxford, uh, so me and JP drove down and mm-hmm. spotted dinner with my parents, yeah, and nice. uh, then ended off to Lucha Forever, which was at a venue that my under 15 football presentation was at when we won the uh, Division Three under 15s league title. So the last time I went there was for that. So good memories, um, and the show was all right. It was good fun. The main event, event. CCK yeah. CCK versus British Strongest mm-hmm. Six Band was. One of the funniest comedy matches I've ever seen. I think it was Trump the next day by the Martina Shea match. Yeah. But for 24 hours, it, it, yeah, it was the best comedy match I'd ever seen. Yeah. Um, some really funny spots in there with British Strong Style imitating lots of Marty Scale spots, doing his kind of like bird dance or whatever it is. And yeah. Doing like the chicken wing spot and the just kidding. That was, that was hilarious. Um, and they also came out to, um, Triple H's, um, one, two, is this on? Edmund's <laughs> music that he used in what, like sort of 99, 2000. The classic that, Triple H. Oh yeah, that was also really funny. And they were obviously doing it with Triple H spots as well. So yeah, the humour really worked on that show. And it was a bit of a smaller show. So I sort of understood why they were going with more of a kind of relaxed, humorous approach. Um, yeah, I can't, you know what? I'll be honest. I can hardly remember what was on the undercard. I've watched so much wrestling these past few months. It's just it was a kind of a one match show really, and as soon as the interge- the intergender tag match with Dan Maloney and Viper oh, versus Haley Ray and Jimmy, Jimmy Havoc. Havoc, yeah, yeah, that was kind of that. wild and all over the place. Um, it was a nice venue, it was a nice small show. I mean, I, just to add in my two cents for Lucha Forever, right? I, I wish they had less of a scattergun approach to where they're running. I get why they went to somewhere like Southampton because nowhere runs Southampton. Mm. It's a it's a reasonable sized city with a big population and there's a mm. decent sort of fan base there. So I've, I've checked the stats and we're quite big in Southampton apparently on this podcast. Oh so yeah, oh, yeah. I, I think you're the big draw there. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the second coming of Matt. his ego back in Southampton. I like or Craig David. Um, but You're like what junk, junkyard dog was to Mid South. That's what you are to Southampton. Oh, in the um, oh, I can't remember the name of the big stadium in New Orleans. But then, yeah. We've gone off on one again. Um, where was I? Can't remember what I was saying. Lucha Forever. Yeah. Um, but the show was decent. It was good fun. Um, there was a few different guys on there as well. They used a few sort of localish guys like uh, you know, 
His name's Josh Wall in Red Pro, but he's gone for like a Nicky Six from Motley Crue gimmick. Um, oh, what's his name? Kelly, Kelly Six. Six. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he was on the show. I know that he's from Southampton. Um, so there were some decent sort of local guys that they'd used on there as well. And it was it was for 15 quid. Or, oh, no, it was £25 with a free T-shirt and a picture in the ring with a wrestler at the interval we didn't bother getting the picture. It was with B Priestley and Angelico. And Angelico. So I didn't fancy that to be. It was honest. a shout out to Kieran Keynes, who does like listening to, oh, yeah, to this show. It. Loves a bit of Angelico. He loves yeah. Angelico's theme music. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the twenty-five quid free T-shirt, ticket, and picture if you want one. Not a bit, a bit of a yeah. bargain, really. I can't complain. Um, and where we were stood was ridiculously. He's right next to the ring. Yeah, I was also stood next to a security guard who was regaling us with tales of his wrestling security job. So apparently he took The Undertaker's kids out for ice cream in Brighton once when WWE were in Brighton. Apparently he had a conversation with Hulk Hogan when he was doing security with him when uh, wow. TNA were in Bournemouth. Apparently Hulk Hogan really, really racist. He doesn't hold back on the language. <laughs> um, who knew Hulk Hogan racist? I mean, that, that's, I a, that's a shocker that I'm sure no one can yeah. get over now. Um, there was also... Uh, CZW? Oh, yeah, he saw a, a few CZW shows in the UK over the years. Which um, never happened. CZW and Blackpool, apparently, he went to. Mm. Um, and apparently they were putting glass in each other. I, did, I didn't know about CZW's uh, UK tour. I didn't know they'd been to the Empress Ball in Blackpool either. Um, <laughs> but he was telling me all about it. It was quite the interesting chat. Yeah, if you like the whiff of BS. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. Um, but going back to Lucha Forever, yeah, it seems like there's a few teething problems. I think um, the ambition's there, and I think they're sort of well-intentioned, and I really want them to succeed because, you know, the more British promotions that we've got that can draw a decent crowd, and across a decent range of cities as well, you mm-hmm. know, more power to them. Um, I do wonder whether they've gone kind of um, head first, though, and, it's, you know, it seems to be... A sort of a mixed bag so far from sort of all, all accounts, but yeah. And if anything happens to Flow Slam, then I think there's issues. Good. Yeah, that's it. You've always got that Flow Slam money coming in, haven't they? As long as Flow Slam is still there, but Flow Slam, the price has gone up with Flow Slam as well, hasn't it? Is it thirty dollars yeah. now? Thirty dollars. Uh, yeah, the other channels, which I mean, uh, zero interest. It. No, me neither. I, I can't see going. I know Lucha Forever's got their own uh, VOD network as well, which uh, is probably just the, the cheaper option if you want to see some Lucha Forever. Um, but uh, yeah, the big money's uh, coming from Flow Slam, and uh, and who knows how long that's going to be there. Yeah, exactly. Indeed. So yeah, like I say, Lucha Forever at the moment. I, I'm a a bit disappointed that show in Liverpool's been cancelled. I think they've and some goodwill in in the the shows they are putting on are good. I mean the debut show in uh, in Birmingham we talked about it on uh, on one of our previous shows and we were kind of saying okay there's some teething problems here maybe they they need to still you know get the feet grounded and uh, there are a couple of uh, dodgy booking moments maybe we, we described them didn't we as maybe being a bit overly creative um, was yeah. probably the best way to put it with them uh, but yeah I think they've earned a bit of goodwill so that hopefully you know these cancellation of shows and moving venues and all that type of stuff is uh, blips rather than you know uh, disasters i mean i can't help but uh look at the the contrast in uh, the lucha forever show got gets cancelled a couple of days before and everyone seems to be quite understanding and wishing them well and saying oh well we'll see you soon whereas uh, i don't know if you saw the news with the uh, rest hold uh mania that was uh mm. due to come up the working a rest hold podcast we're, we're trying to put on a show and 
essentially it's fans getting involved with wrestling um maybe getting a bit it's one of those things i haven't <laughs> had some minimal experience in it in the wrestling business before it's not something i'd recommend uh fans getting involved with wrestling it's just it never seems to work out it definitely didn't for me um and they tried to put on the, this show in manchester that's now been cancelled um similar reasons you know the promoter was was open in, in saying that it there was some uh, mental health issues involved unfortunately with him um, I think maybe they just took on uh, a bit more than they could handle. Uh, but the, the response to, to, to work in a rest hold, uh, canceling their show was wrestlers on Twitter, you know, screaming about how punters shouldn't get involved with wrestling and that, wow. you know, it's unacceptable for, for, uh, for, and I, I do actually agree with this point for, for the fans to find the, the work in a rest hold.com had a statement on it and it's still there at the moment about the show being canceled. They put out a tweet. They sent out a Facebook uh, status, but they didn't actually tell the wrestlers that the show was cancelled. Oh, yeah, that's right. You can't really get... I mean, yeah, exactly. There's two sides to that, and obviously the promoter has tried to be honest and open in in what's happened. Um, I suppose it's a warning sign, isn't it, to to people? Maybe if you are uh, trying to get get involved with wrestling, it can be a a shark-infested waters. I know that... The same network, working a rest hall, were trying to put on a live podcasts, weren't they? The weekend of uh, Super Strong Style, um, and they were met with uh, with people ringing up the the building they were supposed to be in, saying they didn't have the the right licenses. That happened here with the the rest hall mania show that was due to happen in Manchester. Really? Apparently, people yeah ringing the venue pretending they were from working a rest hold. I shouldn't laugh, say, saying oh yeah, we'd like to cancel the show. Uh, we're not going to bother anymore. Um, and, and worse, you know, saying that there's no licenses, uh, threats as well to the promoter, I believe, is, uh, is what he said, uh, coming out of it as well. Oh. So, Seems a bit OTT, really, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's just all... Uh, I mean, that's just wrestling, unfortunately. I mean, we, we talk about how, how good wrestling is in 2017 and how far Brit Res has come, but there is still that murky uh, underbelly for it, and mm. whether it's <clears> right or, or wrong, if you're a, a fan getting involved in wrestling, you seem to... Uh, Maybe get uh, forgiven a little bit less than uh, than than Ryan Smile and the uh, the Lucha Forever guys have for, mm. for their cancelled shows. But just um, out of interest, who was booked on that work in a rest hold show? And uh, El Aguero was on the a big thing. I don't know if you saw was Jimmy Havoc and Ginny were both uh, supposed to be on it. Jimmy Havoc was, I believe, uh, stated to be in the main event. Um, and depending on who you believe, Progress may have pulled rank uh, and pulled them for their shows in Cologne in Germany. Yeah, I did see I know Progress have come out and said on Twitter that that's not the case and they didn't, they weren't necessarily aware that Haver had accepted this Restore the Mania booking as far as they're concerned. They booked their talent way in advance. So where the truth is, it is difficult, but I mean, Jimmy Havoc was uh, advertised for the show, you know, right up until about two weeks ago. Um, when he was coincidentally announced for the Progress show as well. Just so. think about it positively. You're not allowed to think about it in any other way except the positive spin on it, Benno, because that's unprogress. Don't be a dick now. <laughs> we're part of the family. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, we were going to talk today about We've kind of gone on a bit of a tangent. Just mm. one, I mean, one more thing on that is the wrestlers are, are the ones who are suffering from these cancelled shows, aren't they? They're losing yes. out on bookings. And Noel Aguero came out and said, you know, this is this is my living. That You know, if I haven't got a show on a weekend, then that's money that I haven't got to pay my bills and it's you know a, ge- a genuine yeah. concern and with 
ITV going by the wayside, it seems, um, you know, and other issues as well. Um, it's it's a it's a lot, isn't it? I mean, if you're someone like a like a Joe Coffey who was uh, announced for, for for ITV and hasn't got that money coming of in anymore, you you're probably yeah. right to be to be bitter about this uh, supposed boom in 2017, mm-hmm. wouldn't you? Oh yeah, most definitely. I, I, I feel sympathy for him without a doubt. I yeah. feel sympathy for anyone who misses out on a paycheck. I suppose the other side of it, the other side of things you can say is that, you know, it's not the most reliable business with a show like that working a rest hold show. And if you are in this business and you're, you haven't got a permanent contract somewhere and, mm. you know, you're, that is your living sort of paycheck to paycheck. I suppose that is always a risk, um, yeah. that you're, you're going to encounter at some point. Um, but yeah, I still feel sympathy for the guys, and I'm sure the work of the rest of guys are good blokes as well. And you know, yeah, they may have done a few things wrong, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a shame that's happened. Really. Yeah. It's so the question comes: When are we going to run the uh, the first British wrestling spotlight show? I mean, uh, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Apparently, the, J- July the first, there might be uh, an open venue in Manchester. So, yeah, yeah oh, let's not do that, guys. Let's, uh, my yeah, we're not doing it. anything. Yeah, why not? <laughs> you couldn't pay me enough to get back involved in wrestling I don't think <laughs> I've got to say whenever I go anywhere and I'm in like a building I do always think oh, could you run a wrestling show here and I start thinking <laughs> yeah. about the yeah. layout of the building the dynamics of the building I was at a oh, very middle class uh, wine tasting uh, and I don't even like wine uh, thing on Saturday in London and I was thinking you definitely host a wrestling show in here there's enough room here there's a nice bit of light coming in to give it a look I'm going off tangent again but yeah, it was entertaining me and keeping me uh, going while I was having to drink white wine, which I don't like. Right. So <laughs> I, was trying to th- I was trying to think of a white wine-related uh, way I could move into our next subject, but I can't think of one. Uh, we were going to talk about Red Pro 17. Uh... It takes place in a theatre, which is also, you know quite a middle-class pursuit as well. There we go. So take a place in a theatre, Red Pro 17. Uh, back at the cockpit for, for another... I would probably say solid show of the year. I mean, I know you were there, Joe. Um, I, I've watched it on the VOD, so it's a show I really want to talk about. But, I mean, it, it unfortunately took place the, the day after the, the incident in London, didn't it? And, uh, oh, yeah, the, the stabbing terrorism incident. And, you know, Andy Quilden was uh, quite uh, vocal in that, no, the show will go on. Uh, even though it is, uh, you know, just a day removed, it's the right thing to to continue on with the show, and I definitely agree with that spirit um, and doing that. So, w- well done, Rev Pro, for uh, for continuing on and and offering a show. I mean, how was it from from an atmosphere point of view? Um, um, I almost hesitate to ask whether you know the weekend it was on maybe having an effect or not. Yeah, it was a little bit maybe subdued um, compared to how it usually is, I'll say that. Um, I do think that isn't necessarily just to do with the attack. I think that maybe to do with some of the talent on the show as well, um, to some extent, because there weren't as many kind of um, Rev Pro regulars and there weren't maybe as many um, exciting matches on paper that people were anticipating quite as much as usual. Um, I, I honestly didn't think it affected the atmosphere that much. I do know that I... Marlebone Station just around the corner, which I got into, and there was a huge police presence at Marlebone Station that day. So there was a look, obviously, going to be a high alert after that attack. Um, but I didn't think it had a huge sort of detrimental effect on the atmosphere. I think that was maybe to do with the actual show itself. If I'm yeah, I found it a bit of a, a struggle to get through this show, and I don't often say that about Rev Pro. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, the 
I don't think they've had a bad show this year, and I, I wouldn't categorise this as a bad show. It was kind of, it was just a bit. Of, maybe it was the undercard being a mix of you know the contender stuff, which can be yeah. hit and miss, and yeah, yeah, a lot of solid in ring wrestling in front of what felt like maybe a bit more of an, an apathetic crowd than normal. I know uh, there's the whole Rev Pro crowds do get criticised a lot, so I'm hesitant to, to go too hard on, on the Rev Pro crowd there, but it did feel on the VOD like the, the building was quite quiet and there were very awkward moments in matches when I was watching it back where it was just kind of watching it. It kind of takes you out um, yeah. of the experience of watching it. I don't know if that, that it felt like that through the show. I mean, what did you make of it? It felt like it a little bit more than usual, I've got to say. I've been to all of the cockpit shows this year, um, so I've never, I've honestly never ever watched one back on VOD. Um, but being there, this was probably the weakest of the cockpit shows this year, I'd say. Um, there was some solid stuff on there. I didn't think there was anything that was particularly bad if i'm honest um but yeah it was like i say more subdued weren't as many matches for people to really invest in or get excited about um and yeah i do think that kind of hurt things a little bit i think sometimes when you haven't got a martin you're an osprey there as well yeah, you and you've got that you yeah yeah and even though the likes of zach gibson have really gotten over and breath pro like really how excited can you get about zach gibson versus angelico I've seen Angelico on far too many shows over here recently. Yeah. I'm fed up of seeing it, if I'm honest. With disrespect to Angelico. Angelico's best experience is in the on Lucha Underground diving off a big silly thing. Yeah. That's not to say he's Absolutely. a bad wrestler. He's he's quite charismatic. He's got a good entrance. He's got a good look. Uh, but you're right. I mean, the, the 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 special import is special for a reason when you you know you you're getting to see them live for, on rare occasions and like you said I I've seen you just watching on VOD I've seen Angelico it feels like a million times he was over for Fight Club Pro oh. um, yeah that's it I mean I I probably much prefer to see Jack Evans personally uh, oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah it was it was a funny show because I think what best sums it up for me is the opener I mean. David Starr is somebody who Rev Pro again another info who Rev Pro are kind of trying to make their own, aren't they? At this point, yeah, he's yeah. just yeah. establishing himself, I suppose, as a as a top star in Rev Pro against El Fantasmo, uh, a man I'd not seen personally before. Uh, I don't know about you two guys. Um, no, this is my first time seeing him, and I think the the entire crowd were really unfamiliar with him. I think um, that's what hurt. I think sometimes yeah, when it, you it wasn't an opener, it should. When, I, sorry, Benno. No, no, I was just going to say, I mean, when you book an opener, that's the reason why openers are important, is you want something that will get the, the crowd going. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it just it didn't really work, did it, for whatever reason? I mean, uh, I learned that logic from playing EWR a lot as a teenager. You don't want to put a, nice. a flat match out first. It's not good for, for the crowd. Um, but, yeah, it felt like David Starr, the crowd were familiar with him to a point mm. so they, they were up for his spots they were up for his entrance i always get a kick out of andy uh, andy q doing the uh all the david star uh announcements as as he comes out okay. um, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah enjoy all that stuff phantasmo had a really good entrance but once the match started it was just kind of the, the technical stuff was good it was kind of cool with you know, they're kind of making fun of each other almost. Yeah. There was a bit of a chop battle. They were fighting over nipple twists. But the crowd just between the big spots just didn't seem to really care so much. Yeah, um, I agreed. I think there is part... Go on. I was just going to say that there are points, at, at, and this is an issue really with the cockpit in the sense that it feels so intimate because you've kind of got five rows back, very much close around the ring, 
not too much they can do outside. There are points in, in that I found in cockpit shows where it quietens down in, in, in a good way, in a kind of we're all into the match and we're watching. And it doesn't suffer from the progress problem of where oh, there's a bit of silence when there's silence, fans feel like they need yeah. to entertain themselves and relentlessly stop shot shot yeah, exactly so in katie harvey's been been wrestling in the past it's just a series of you know winter soldier jokes and you just think christ yeah can we shut up about this now it's going to be dull can we watch can we watch the wrestling um and and so sometimes it will quieten down but um I was also going to say with the next cockpit show, they've really got some star power on up. that. They've yeah. loaded up big time. So we've got Keith Lee making yeah, his Rev Pro. Matt Riddle as well on the show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think Rev Pro have done a decent job of stacking that next cockpit show, especially yeah. bringing Keith Lee over, which is something I'm really anticipating. Yeah. Um, but going through the rest of the card, one match that I was really looking forward to was the rematch of Joshua and Curtis Chapman against the London Riots. Because this match earlier this year was the greatest glorified squash match <laughs> I've It was ever. just murder, wasn't it? Yeah. It was oh. like Steiner's like, 2.0. Like, the Riots is the Steiner's. Yeah, that was great. Um, and Kurt, Curtis Chapman, I've got to say, I really like. Um, he's not wrestled a lot, a lot of matches before. But mm. He's got something about him. He's got an odd look. I'll give him that. He's very skinny. He um, he's very kind of lanky <laughs> at the same time. I mean, there was a point where uh, Davis was, he had uh, Chapman on his back. Chapman was standing on his back oh, yeah, and, yeah. and he still managed to, to get, to basically get up to his knees. He's that light. Uh, he's definitely not got the best look in the world, has he? But he definitely seems he he, he looks a little bit awkward out there. Is, is one thing yes, I'd say. He does. He's got a bit of fire though. That's what mm. I'm giving him. He's got some sort of like natural baby face fire, and I think his weird. Well, I don't want to say he looks weird. But he's got an interesting look. Um, kind of gives him something, I think, to an extent as well with that crowd, because it, it's kind of like, oh, look at this bloke. And then you see him, and it's like, oh, actually, there's something going on here. And he he does usually get over on these cockpit shows as well. I didn't think this one connected that he went near as well as the last one did. I, I think then, what it was, I mean, there was a spot early in the match, wasn't there, where the uh, the riots seemed to go for that super collider, double yeah. power bomb move on the outside, yeah. and the contender guys tried to re- both reverse at the same time to a Hurricane Rana. And I think I think it might have been Chapman who went a bit early, and it, the spot just fell apart. And it yeah. just kind of felt like from that point on, um, they lost the crowd a little bit who, who mm. weren't exactly there in the first place. Yeah. Uh, but I suppose they came alive for the for the daft spots. I mean, the riots powerbombing them onto each other uh, onto the turnbuckle on the outside was a particularly brutal one. But yeah, we didn't get quite the uh, the murder that we got the first time, did we? No. Um... <laughs> Uh, if there's a third one, uh, more murder, please. <laughs> uh, one other match that, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed in. Everyone knows that I'm a big Bowden fan. Not as much as that bloke who's at every Rev Pro show. Um, I can't remember his name. Steve Bro Bennett. That's it. But um, Josh Bowden versus Ashley Dunn. This is only the second time I've seen Ashley Dunn. Um, this just felt like it was another glorified squash match with Bowden picking up an easy win, really. It was kind of like... Um, mm. 
Bodum had had a, a nice easy match after having an absolute war with Dijak the uh, month before. Um, and then he's got himself a nice match with David Starr in a couple of weeks of the cockpit, which I'm sure will be a really fun match. Their match in Orlando at the Rev Pro Show was really, really good. So mm-hmm. not a bad rematch to make in the UK. Um, Eddie Dennis and Donovan Dijak. I've got to say, I really enjoyed this one. Um, live, it was really funny. Dijak was really good with his interactions with the crowd as well. Like he was re- really knew how to sort of en- engage the crowd in this environment. He was making jokes with the kind of regular crowd about some of the stupid spots and dives that he'd previously done in matches he'd had at the cockpit, and how he was looking for an easier match. And they all kind of played into the storyline of Eddie Dennis. Uh, maybe it sort of seemed like he was going to cause an upset at some point to the match as well. So I, I thought this was really good fun. Um, Eddie Dennis, I don't think, has ever won a match in Rev Pro. He's lost every, yeah. he's been on every cockpit show this year and he's lost every match. So it's become, funny, isn't it? He seems to be on all the shows. He's almost like, he's almost become on one of his home promotions. I know he's, yeah. uh, he's a teacher in real life, isn't he? So maybe it's, uh, the, the Rev Pro shows fit in with his schedule and he kind of just does them. Yeah, I think um, he lives, I don't think he lives in Wales. He lives in, he? lives in Surrey. Uh, that would make okay. sense then. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed the match. It was kind of, it's tall lads wrestling, isn't it? And they're both yeah, uh, yeah. big lanky lads who, uh, who, who do, uh, who in, in the right occasion, can do a lot of uh, cool moves. Uh, and it was kind of interesting to see. I mean, my favourite spot in the match was, I mean, it all kind of built in it to them fighting over choke slams on the apron. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is not the kind, of, not something you see every day. I mean, I think it was Dennis that got hit with it, wasn't he? And then he, he got back up and hit the ropes and then did a dive to the outside. And then Dijak followed up with the same. It was, wasn't exactly uh, Ricochet and Will Ospreay, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was certainly giving it a go. I mean, I enjoyed on commentary. Uh, Andy Quilden was kind of trying to sell it as well. They both look very glassy eyed, so mm. it's almost like they're not no, basically saying they're not no selling. They're just, you know, they're not back on the feet, but they're, they're definitely uh, still feeling the effects of the match. And I enjoyed it, maybe not as much as you, Joe. I think Dijak's a bit of a, an acquired taste, isn't he? He's someone who maybe someone you don't see. Well, in the past, you didn't see often elsewhere with him being one of Ring of Honor's many, many missed opportunities in the last few oh, years. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. He was doing nothing in Ring of Honor, really, was he? I mean, it's, it, it just, I mean, it begs belief the amount of talent that Ring of Honor have, uh, have let go over the last few years. And the amount of talent they haven't picked up as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They're not the Ring of Honor of our youth anymore, are they, Joe? <laughs> uh, they've been for about, what? Eight, nine years, let's be honest. <laughs> then that gives you something of an idea of how long ago our youth was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he, he, it's just that I like him. He's got agility. He's it's cool to see a tall athletic guy but I do sometimes feel like he's maybe just missing something and mm. he's still kind of finding himself uh, as a wrestler I do um, think leaving Ring of Honor is going to benefit him because they obviously didn't invest in him sure. and I do think him getting around a few more indies uh, coming over here a little bit more is probably going to benefit him in some way he might be able to find himself that little bit more well he had that big match with uh, Keith Lee didn't he over oh, yeah, the right. weekend that a lot of people were talking about and nobody was talking about Donovan Jajak matches where when he was in Ring of Honor, um, yeah. at least not that I was hearing. No, I'd seen him a few times in Ring of Honor and always thought, this guy looks like he's all right, but never was blown away. Um, the matches of his beforehand that I've really been impressed by were his matches with, I'm going to praise him again like I do on every one of our podcasts, but with Bowden. Yeah. One of them at the cockpit, one of them in Reading last year in Rev Pro. And they've had a, a brutal trilogy between the mm. three of them where they just beat the crap out of each other. But... Uh, yeah, so I, I do think Dijak's got something to offer. Um, I think he's someone who's going to emerge as a bit more of a talent in the next year or so. I think now that he's gone from Ring of Honor, those reins have been taken off. 
he's free to work a few more places. There was that rumor that he was going to sign for WWE, but he hasn't because of that, of that lawsuit with the whole with the Ring of Honor yeah, and yeah. yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, after that, Zach Gibson and Helico love Zach Gibson as you all know. Um, great promo as usual. Match was a bit meh, if I'm honest yeah. with you. It was just a couple of awkward moments, wasn't there? I mean, Gibson was at one point was hitting on Halico with forearms and he just wasn't moving. He wasn't selling. Yeah. Just right at the finish, in fact. Um, and he just wasn't. It just felt like just two, wrest- two wrestlers who just didn't really get what the other one was, was going yeah, for. Yeah, they didn't click at all. It, again, it was kind of. Uh, I sums up this show. It, it was a match. It wasn't a particularly bad match. It was an okay match. It was fine. It was all right. Um, but yeah, I'm a fan of Gibson as well. And again, like we mentioned with Angelico, maybe he's a little bit overexposed uh, on these shows as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I think Gibson's one. I mean, you, you see, I mean, we're going to talk about you know, where we see Rev Pro going. What do you think about uh, Gibson and Rev Pro? They're giving him his own song. They seem to be getting behind him. Um, he's getting a lot of wins. Um, he yeah. is. We're waiting really for the. I think. Sorry to interrupt there, but no. But for for, for Zach Gibson, Will Ospreay. Seems yeah, to be it seems to be the direction they're the going. Direction they're going in. The direction they're going will be happening at the next York All show. Yeah. So they seem to be giving Gibson, well, he got Goto at the last York All show. Yeah. And he got over as well. His promo was over big. He was over in the match. The match, possibly the most lively match of that entire evening as well. Oh, I think so. So he's connected. He's clicked in Rev Pro. Um, I, I almost wish the bigger Rev Pro shows were a bit more regular, so he was in front of that crowd a little bit more than the cockpit crowd. But it seems to be working. It's, they seem to be sort of slowly building him, I think, long-term towards that British heavyweight title. But we'll wait and see on that one, because the booking uh, with that title can be a little bit haphazard and a little bit unpredictable at times. I wonder if he's going to... I mean, the, the theory has, and this is going kind of into the moment, bigger issues around sort of where Brit Ress is at the minute. Um, he was one of the guys, obviously, who was going to be at ITV, and that's, let's face it, it's dead. It appears to be dead. Thank you, TNA slash Impact, for anything <laughs> they, they're getting involved in. No, uh, no, it's just, it's just delayed, JP, the taping. Just delayed. Again. I believe oh, the wrestlers, some of the wrestlers were told they were going to be taping again in July. Uh, I don't think that's happening. I, uh, and I, I think as a result, there's that kind of horrible trade-off where if any companies, and I think this has happened to them in progress as well, where the, the fact that they kind of have to say, we're going this way, so they're not going to be a featured part of their shows. And then the fact that they're not on the ITV shows and maybe trying to get back in, but the problem is is that the storylines have kind of passed them by. So there's no natural way to get them involved. I mean, if you, and, and I think that's maybe something what they're what they're suffering what what they're suffering from. But it seems like Zach's on the way up, certainly on the way up in Rev Pro, much more of a regular. So it would be an it, it, it's a nice fit for him there. Whereas I can't say in in progress, for example, I can't see him being a featured part of. That's the and, thing. I mean, mm. Andy Quilden seems to be well behind Gibson. I mean, even to the point, you know, you mentioned ITV there yeah. on the commentary here during this match. I can't remember the exact words he used, but uh, ITV came up and he was like, Let, let's just face it, ITV was rubbish. I think he called <laughs> pants. I think that, that's what he said. I think he referred to it as pants, which is strong coming from another promoter, but he's not exactly wrong. Uh, but yeah, I think it did. I mean, the ITV issue kind of has hung over Gibson, who's someone who you might have imagined being in WWE UK, who you might have imagined progress would have gotten behind uh, to a level more than, than they have. But it, it's nice to see uh, to, to see Rev Pro getting behind them on that level. 
Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, just going back to the main event of this show, um, we had Davy Boy Smith and Zach Sabre, Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Zach Sabre Jr., <laughs> Jimmy Juniors, representing Suzuki Gun, uh, against CCK. Um, I've got to say, when I saw this match announced, I was like, wow, that's a cool match to make. And that's kind of the main reason that I was kind of attracted to the show. Um, cause I've never, I've seen Davy Boy Smith Jr., I think, in WWE. I'm not like, He's all right. I'm not like a massive fan of his or anything, but it just looked like a really odd match. Um, and it was okay. <laughs> if I'm honest, it was all right. I wouldn't say I didn't enjoy it. It was just kind of there. Um, I got the impression Davey Boy Smith Jr. didn't seem that into it. And I thought this might have been more a bit of an opportunity for him to maybe get some more sort of regular bookings of Rev Pro, especially with the New Japan relationship. You know, maybe he could come over a bit more and see. Mm-hmm. The in-laws, in-laws, um, whatever family he's got over here, but he just didn't seem interested. And he was sat outside before the front of the show, so the merch, he just looked pissed off. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, he was the big surprise, wasn't he, for the ITV tape and the return of uh, the, the British Bulldog, uh, Junior even. Uh, you kind of forget he exists sometimes, don't you? I mean, he was over in Noah, and uh, he's part of the Suzuki-Gun uh, stable, which is why he's teaming with, uh, with Zack Sabre here. Uh, but yeah, he's someone who's never really done much for me, even in WWE. And I remember when he got sacked in CM Punk because of promo on Raw, didn't he? About uh, about Harry Smith getting uh, sacked and how disgusting it was. And I'm thinking, is it really? I mean, eh. he's all right. He, he's someone something you, can there, G, you can throw him in a G1 and get some solid matches. Yeah, he's, he's that yeah. guy who you can beat. You'll win half his matches. You'll lose half his matches. Um, I mean, and I him and Archer had some decent matches in the tag mm. division, but I don't know. It, it, there's something about him. I just I feel like he's never really fulfilled what potential we kind of thought that he had. Um, and I, I don't know if his time sort of passed. I don't know if that time sort of passed him by now. Really, I wonder if it just comes down to him, he himself, and and, mm. and how seriously he's taking it. Because there's obviously been rumours over the years that he's going to step out and go into MMA. He lost a lot of weight. Um, really got himself shredded when he came back into New Japan. Um, for me, he doesn't have the fire that Archer has, and and Archer kind of really has a very clearly, you know, and he's not Archer's not a better wrestler than him, but he has a lot more kind of fire to him. Whereas you see with David Boy Smith Jr., there's they, not that he's going through the motions, but it's just he's not as expressive. He's like a, he's a functional solid wrestler, isn't he? I yeah. mean, I I like this match more than than you. I think Joe. I mean, uh, but I think there was it was stark. I mean, my favourite parts of the match were, were Zack Saber Junior. and Travis Banks, their exchanges, yeah. and then Bucks yeah, and right. Smith get in. And it, yeah, I mean, they, they, I mean they've had great matches in the past. In uh, uh, sorry, in Fight Club Pro, and uh, they, they wrestled that uh, strong style as well, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. They were at the What Culture show we were at. Um, right, that's it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I surrounded surrounded by crap. I must yeah. say. <laughs> so they, they know each other well, and I think it's no coincidence that they were the, the strongest part of the match. I mean, I think I enjoyed it because it felt like, I mean, after... It was a show, really, with, with solid matches and, and not huge moments as far as, you know, ongoing booking goes. I know we it had... It a show by any means at all. No, that's it. I mean, I was going to say, I mean, I know we had uh, the CCK earlier on in the show allowing the contenders to get a shock win over the Riot. So there was there was that as far as big moments go. But what I liked here, and, you know, I think it's, it's important to note that Rev Pro seemed to be really behind Chris Brooks, oh, particularly yeah. out of the yes. CCK group, and it was no coincidence, was it? As during t- towards the end of the match, Harry Smith essentially picked up Travis Banks and took him backstage, uh, kidnapped him, I suppose. So we were left with Zack Sabre Jr. Um, and Chris Brooks, 
and they're obviously building something there, aren't they? And it seems that they're, they're definitely behind Chris Brooks at a time when it feels like the cool thing to do is uh, is Travis Banks to be yeah. the uh, the main guy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think uh, Rev Pro are booking the trend, aren't they, Joe? Yeah, fair play to uh, Rev Pro for taking a different approach here because uh, Banks is getting pushed everywhere. And I love Travis Banks. I think he's great. But I think pushing Chris Brooks, who has been very much associated with that CCK, CCK brand, pushing him as a single is a different approach to take as well. It's giving someone else an opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's quite exciting. So it doesn't feel like it's the same thing that's happening in every other promotion as well, mm-hmm. the Travis Banks push. Um, and it's, I, it's kind of surprising as well. I didn't call this one at all. But you can obviously tell Quilden must really like um um, I've lost his name. Chris That's Brooks. really like Chris Brooks as well. So you put him over clean against Zach, who's the champion as well, and he's got himself a title match at the next York Hall show in August. So quite excited to see that. Big opportunity for Chris Brooks as well. I've hardly ever seen Chris Brooks record, wrestle a one-on-one singles match. Yeah. So I'm really intrigued to see him in that sort of match at that sort of position on a card as well. So huge opportunity for him. Mm. And fair play to Rev Pro for being a little bit original with their booking as well. Yeah, indeed. I mean, it's definitely a strong uh, year for for Rev Pro. Probably the, the it could be the strongest year. They've got huge shows coming up. Um, the, the relationship with New Japan continues to bear fruit. Mm. Uh, we're all going to be there, aren't we, for the uh, the British Jacob? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Ra- Matt Riddle is going to be wrestling Tomohiro Ishii. I mean, these cockpit shows are kind of the you know, the, the the it's almost like the roar, isn't it, of of Rev yeah, Pro? It's, yeah, it's the weekly it. TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what it feels like. It's the NXT it's... TV to their big takeover shows that happen at York Hall. And the big takeovers always deliver. Uh, I think it happens. Yeah. In <laughs> I mean, where'd you see Rev Pro at the moment this year? Yeah, I mean, would you? I mean, people argue. I mean, we're about to talk uh, about progress. Would you see Rev Pro as the, as the biggest? Are they are they the big company in Britain or is it progress? <laughs> they might. They're my favourite company, I think, from a consistency mm. point of view and from a um, from the way they sort of hold themselves and from Quilden's sort of approach as a promoter. I really like them. I really like him. I think he um, he knows how to keep a distance while at the same time engaging the fans and he also knows how not to be critical of certain sort of aspects of his fan base as well, which I really like and I really appreciate. And he seems like a good bloke. Um, so I like that approach. Imagine I think, that, Joe, a person in wrestling not being critical of wrestling fans. That's un- crazy. Unbelievable. But people in wrestling just not being critical generally, we should all be positive. Remember that, Ben. <laughs> Don't be a dick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> passive aggressive. But to, <laughs> to carry on there, um, yeah, I think Rev Pro so far had a really good year. Um, outside of New Japan, they've been probably my favourite promotion this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do really enjoy going to these cockpit shows because they're, they're really easy for me to get to from where I live. I live around the corner from a train station and the train ta- that takes an hour for the train to go directly to the to the venue, basically. Yeah. Um, so it's easy. They're reasonably priced shows. It's an interesting venue. You often get an interesting mm-hmm. selection of matches as well. I'm yeah. taking my lads to the next show and I'm really looking forward. And in terms for them to be able to watch wrestling close up, and not kind of be lost in the, you know, well back. So obviously they're a bit smaller. So, sit, you know, people will get up at various points and there's little bits they're going to miss out. And also they're not going to be able to stand up for as long. But for the cockpit, it's kind of perfect yeah. for that. And one thing to say about them as well is that there's no sort of 
like I don't know. There's no pretense of them. They're yeah. not trying to be something. They very much are what they are. Um, you could argue they could brand themselves a little bit better, but at the same time, I don't mind that at all because they haven't amassed that kind of cult, uh, like fan sort of um, like status, if that makes sense. And you don't have people sort of going mad about Rev Pro and getting Rev Pro tattoos and like dedicating themselves to everything Rev Pro say in the way that, say, Progress does. And Fight Club Pro and Attack, again, are completely different. There's a kind of mm. cool factor to their sort of niche status. But Rev Pro aren't that at all. They mm. kind of know who they are, and they've got that nice balance between family audience and kind of hardcore audience with their dream matches. Mm-hmm. They've got the nice cockpit shows. They've got the Pompey shows they do for the family audiences where they get the XWWE guys in. And so they've got a really nice kind of... Um, working balance if that makes mm. sense and a really good business plan that seems to be really working out for them at the moment i i think they also tap into something that's quite bigger and and, and this is really for me where the kind of divide between progress and rev pro come in in terms of the companies that they're obviously both associated with progress have a relationship with wwe which we obviously are not in you know able to find out exactly what the nature of that relationship is they're just our friends um <laughs> <laughs> whereas, whereas with Rev Pro, they've obviously got their relationship with New Japan. Now, as a hardcore wrestling fan, I don't know um, for you guys. I'm very disillusioned with WWE. I mean, yes, I, I don't watch WWE anymore, and that's the first is. of my life where I've never watched WWE. And I think one all of the, about the YouTube clips at the moment. I think I, that's I, it. I did that for the last year, and I've given up even doing that. If I'm honest with you. It, it, it doesn't. Uh, whereas, and so for me, it's it's kind of you know with New Japan trying to expand as well, hmm. and frankly, kind of you know willing to, to kind of invest in in the UK fan base as they are at the moment, as they've been doing in the US with working with Ring of Honor and obviously the shows that are upcoming in Long Beach. For me, it's kind of easily easier for me to naturally sympathise with New Japan as the kind of underdog, and therefore, by, as a result, sympathise with with Rev Pro. The issue that I've had with WWE is that I'm very disillusioned with the product. There may be only one match on each of their big shows that, that I'm kind of interested in, and they've got, obviously, their links with Progress, but at the same time, quite often, there are lots of references to WWE as if it's still a great product and i kind of think well, we're pulling the wool over our eyes here aren't we it's like you know if you've if you've listened to kind of any of the the, the show reviews on on the tuesday night tuesday night jaw podcast it's things like um it sounds like jbl on bring it to the table yeah. It's, it's like it's like a mouthpiece for uh, like or a promotional piece for WWE shows. Like they were talking, which is insulting to your intelligence. About how great the Orton Wyatt match was at WrestleMania. Like, come on, really? Like, uh, there comes a point where critical faculties kind of have to play a part. You, yeah, you can try and be positive about stuff and fair play, but at the same time, there's positivity like, and then there's sheer blindness. Yeah, and. You know, that becomes an issue at some point and it starts and I feel like I'm, I feel a little bit disillusioned with progress ever since the kind of WWE deal has kind of happened because I just find that their kind of game plan and their approach to it has just been a bit odd and mm. it's kind of been like a, a almost like a shut up. Um, they're all right. We're friends with them. 
they're all right. And then in the storylines, as we mentioned before, you've got Pete Dunne running around with the WWE UK title now and the yep. Progress title, and they're talking about signing contracts on um, the Progress title. But then as soon as Pete Dunne turns up on WWE TV... and there's our belt. I was like, oh, my God, look, it's our little belt, our little country. It's in WWE. Oh, yeah. how lovely. And it just and makes cringe. And ECW in 1997 when they got on Raw and they did the invasion, would Paul Heyman have been like, yay, look, we're on WWE TV and it's lovely on the USA mm. Network. No, he bloody wouldn't have because he's a promoter and he knew how to promote and he knew how to create mm. this division storyline-wise that worked within the context of that storyline. And I understand that kayfabe is obviously broken a lot, bit, a lot more and the kind of the barriers have come down a lot more. But at the same time, you could have got a bloody hot storyline out of it and not gone about, you know, our mates at WWE constantly. Yeah. I think it's been stop-start as well in that I think the story makes no sense. Like you pointed out, yeah. the title appears on WWE Telly and Progress of the First to be on Twitter. Uh, and I know Twitter, it, it, you could say Twitter is separate from the product, but a lot of uh, the angle stuff has taken place online as well. You know, the, the original promo was, was tweeted out and early on in the feud. And even now, you know, you get Travis, Travis, you get uh, Tyler Bates and you'll get Pete Dunne and, and uh, you'll, get, you'll get all three of them, Trend Seven on Twitter, giving progress, grief, in character, and you're thinking, well, hang on, is Twitter, where's the line? I mean, where are we? Yeah, and where I say like, fair play to those guys, because they're, you know, they're working, and it... They're play playing the part, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and like you say, progress of, uh, only recently, Tony Storm's been announced for the, the May Young Invitational, and again, that's mm-hmm. great, great for her, personally, but again, you've got the progress account going, oh, look, there's our, there's our women's champion on WWE, and it's just, something's been lost in translation in the narrative, and yeah. that's not to say, you know, the, the three guys, the British Strong Star guys, and we're getting there now, so we might as well talk Super yeah. Strong Style. Uh, I don't want to go over it in full detail because uh, both you, you two guys were, were there uh, yeah. at the show and, and gave a, a detailed recap on this very feed that people can go back and check. Uh, but the big thing for me that came out of uh, of that weekend was that the British Strong Style guys are delivering in their individual segments, in their moments. They're All three of them can handle being top heels all three of them oh, are yeah, great at like... playing their characters it's not the, the reason that the story is not connecting it is all this outside stuff with it yeah. just not making sense and, i think it's the promotions know. approach um it's just so like skewed and confusing. it happens on shows i mean jim smallman will, will make reference to dodo vb and their mates or you know while yeah. he's stand, standing in the ring of the show that you're watching um, and it just doesn't work for me from that point of view. No, I, mean, I completely that's... agree. One of the things that really frustrates me is that they don't seem to appreciate that a lot of people have come to progress and alternative to WWE, myself included. I don't watch any WWE anymore. My brother doesn't watch any WWE. We've watched it like most of our lives. Um, and lots of other people have come to it as an alternative to WWE. But then we're being told how great WWE is constantly. And it's just this kind of like, oh, so why am I, why did I come to this promotion when you're constantly talking about how great those blokes over at WWE are all the time when I'm, I don't, I'm not bothered about them. I don't want to hear about them. Maybe if you booked a hot storyline around it, cool. But when you're booking this kind of like, we all should think the same thing because we are the progress family and aren't you all yeah. great? family 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 wahey it just becomes really kind of i don't know confusing and it uh, example i'm not going to the progress show on sunday and the last progress show i missed was because i moved house um and i was really glad i couldn't make it um but i just had no interest in going on sunday 
because I just feel very disillusioned and kind of at a loss with the promotion and direction they're going in, to be honest. And mm. it's not, it's not like a, I don't, I'll be honest, I love the shows. Like, I love the shows live. From a live perspective, I've had some of the best times I've ever had at wrestling shows, at progress shows. Yeah. It's such good fun. And I love a lot of the wrestlers there. And I do think the promoters have done a great job over the years as well. But this WWE thing, it's frustrating for a lot of fans, and I don't think they like the fact that a lot of fans have aired their grievances about this being frustrating, and it kind of almost seems like there's been like a shutdown on people being able to air any grievances towards progress. It's almost like progress have made themselves, or they've attempted to make themselves, exempt from criticism. Um, sorry, I feel like I'm really ranting now. <laughs> One of the big issues I have is that progress fan group on Facebook. It's just a really kind of odd environment at times um we were going to get into that weren't we i mean the one thing i have yes. to say about i mean about this show is the big match everyone's talking about and i was you know i listened to you guys talk about it and it was just so good riddle uh matt riddle and jeff cobb that it's the match if you don't see any other match yeah. from this weekend this is the one to see i was so excited to see it and it lived up to all my expectations but yep. i'm guessing where you were going there joe is i went on the the facebook fan group um, and there's just this huge thread panning Dave Meltzer because he had the nerve to call this, was it a four and a quarter star match? Yeah, uh, I think he didn't actually rate it. He said four and a half because of the crowd, but maybe four and a quarter. So there yeah. wasn't like a definitive rating. It was like a, ah, not sure. <laughs> and this will, sorry. For, for British wrestling, I mean, you go back five years ago. I mean, the, the best match you'd see in a card, being realistic, you probably, if you believed in such ratings, you'd probably give two stars best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, British wrestling's come such a long way, and four and a half stars, whether you believe in the rating system or not, essentially it means it was a really fucking good match, and it was a really fucking good match. That's but right. To it get was... into these arguments about it should have been a five-star match, I mean... I just think, like you said, you, you touched on it, Joe. I just think sometimes uh, I've, I've I've done it. You kind of drink the Kool Aid with progress, don't you? You get yeah. is. I think. I mean, we talked about Rev Pro. I mean, my my personal opinion is still that progress is the number one for the country, and I still think storyline wise and uh, yeah, I yeah, well, yeah. Like, they I mean, they've had their misses as we talked about earlier, but they've had some hits. I think the Sexman story that was yeah. uh, essentially accumulated on on this weekend was really good. I still think they're the best going from that point of view, but I think yeah. Some maybe drink a bit too much of the Kool-Aid, um, and I don't know what they were expecting, but I, I think everyone was in universal agreement that this was, you know, one of the greatest matches uh, we've seen on our shows, Matt Riddle and Jeff Cobb. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I have to say as well, it's one of those one of those matches where, I mean, being there and you can, I can imagine when you were watching it, you could imagine from the vantage point where we normally stand of how this would have looked being close up. Mm. Um, I didn't count as many standing ovations and someone was saying it was about 10 or so. I just think people were on <laughs> their feet by that point. Um, to, if I could throw my two cents into, into it. I mean, there's, there's lots of re- obviously really good things about progress and really great things about progress. I mean, I liked the way I enjoyed the fact it was three days over the, um, oh, you just enjoyed the nights out there, JP. I did. There were heavy, yeah. heavy, heavy nights and I'm not a young man anymore. And I was really feeling it by, by, by the, uh, by the end of the Monday and I wasn't work on the Tuesday. Um, I enjoy the, the venue in terms of going to the ballroom and the way it's set up for wrestling. I, I, I kind of enjoy the routine that, that we're all into in terms of the places where we stand and, and, and where we go. I, I enjoy all of that. I enjoyed the way that they, they booked, booked the tournament. It was in a way it was very crowd pleasing. It was kind of, 
the the directions that most of us would wanted them to go in with Travis Banks being the guy at the end, the guy to win the title at the end of it. I like the fact that even though you had the interference from Mustache Mountain and CCK coming in, that there was still another 10 minutes for the match to go. So Mm. it still had room to breathe while forwarding on the storylines. However, there is so much of a case of wanting their cake and eating it. That's, that's really, that really bothers me that, you know, like, for example, let's say that the criticism of Dave Meltzer, and we, we've gone over this before, regardless of people thought, I mean, it's his opinion on matches. And obviously he was reviewing matches at a time when there wasn't as much accessibility for us to see it. So he kind of was the rough benchmark of what we, what a good match was there. Now we can quibble over stars and all the rest I've got of to it. say, like when I got a good internet connection, probably in about 2003, four, I found like a whole list of Dave Meltzer rated matches. There was some like GOT's mm. website. And I found as many of them as I could. And, you know, I had a bloody great time going through that. And it was a great rough guy to yeah. find in really good wrestling. But and it was sort of 15, 16. But the, the, on, within the fan group, really are criticising the fan, fan group here, there's an element of what they think of what Dave Meltzer just reviews matches and that's it. And they go, no, he's actually a journalist who reports yeah. news and things that are going on. And within the industry, including the three owners, he is the benchmark of news that is there. He still is the most reliable source. Is he right in everything? No, because he's a human being. However, at the end of the day, he does have his opinion. It's just that his opinion is based on 40 years of covering the industry. There's a fundamental misunderstanding, I think, from a lot of fans, progress fans in that group, of what he does and Mm. the fact that he is a journalist and he had previous jobs in sports journalism. I know he was a political journalist for a little bit as well. He's a damn fine writer as well. Some of the the stuff that he... 65 million words Alvarez worked out. Oh, yeah. It sounds like we're a couple of uh, Meltzer marks here at the moment. But but his writing is genuinely... He's really good. It really is. And I think one of the things I'll say, this is where a a prime example and kind of an indictment of where I think Progress fans have just drunk the Progress Kool-Aid. That whole, um, like, Dave Meltzer sucks or whatever chant occurred at that Progress show. Mm. Uh, That was a few... Yeah, Yeah, Dave Meltzer, that was it. That occurred at that Progress show. You kind of think that occurred, didn't it, from a little bit of sort of back and forth between John and Jim. And it almost feels like the the Progress fans are so loyal to this brand and so loyal to these owners. Mm-hmm. And these own, the owners, and I think they've done a great job. I can't dispute that for a second. And they work tirelessly, I understand that. But they have kind of really marketed themselves to the fans on this personal level, where the fans feel like they have this personal connection with them. And because they can see them, they can talk to them at shows. It's like, oh, well, they're saying that. And I don't know if you can talk to them that. at shows. I think they're actually quite inaccessible. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Just to throw that out there. But the yes, you can time, go up to them, but they'll probably tell you to piss off. There is this, <laughs> there is this access, in a sense, and yeah. they are on the fan group as well. So it's like, oh, look, there's a post from Glenn. So it's almost like fans will directly buy what they're saying because they feel this personal connection and there's this sense of kind of blind loyalty towards them. So then there becomes this kind of consensus amongst the kind of hardcore progress fans who are never dicks that Dave Meltzer's a dick because he doesn't watch enough progress. But it's like, come on, the guy has to watch bloody everything and yeah. cover everything. I know. Ironically, guy- in and of itself, by 
criticizing Meltzer like that they're being dicks. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> which is I mean, never realised. No, <laughs> I mean I'm as big a Dave Meltzer fan as you, so I mean it's, yeah. it's not just progress though, is it? I mean I think wrestling in general's got a strange aversion to criticism. I think it goes back, probably goes back to yeah. the days of, of uh, well maybe not kayfabe, but a, a stronger sense of kayfabe when there wasn't uh, so much insight into the business and so much behind the scenes and wrestlers weren't on Twitter. I mean I've got into it with uh, Briley on, on Twitter. I think he was oh, crit- well. crit- he was criticising reviews in general, like. Like their, their 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 mere existence. Is he a is, child? For Christ's sakes! Yeah. I mean, seriously. I think his his point of view was that it's not right that these reviews give away what's happened on the show. It should just be whether the show was good or bad. And simplistically, that makes sense to a point. But you don't get that. I mean, I follow a lot well, of TV take a, shows. Like Martin Bentley tweets the guy over and take his phone then. Because yeah. he's well, tweeting the results all throughout the matches. Yeah, true. I mean, I mean, exactly. And you could shut the indie corner down because we've got the yeah. results all over as well. And I've been in that position too. But I think, I mean, while there's a nugget of something there in what he's saying, and say you're you're into movies, you can find websites where there's a review of the movie that doesn't give away the end. But Sight there's also just as many websites. Sight and Sound magazine always say this review involves but includes spoilers. So. Exactly. Yeah. And the same happens for TV. I mean, you can find. I think TV is the better comparison in the movies because with TV there's an ongoing story so if you're a TV reviewer like a second wall you're going to be doing a review on a show and you can't help but talk about the storylines <clears> as they go on because you've got you've got a link back to the previous episode. The exactly. reason an episode might be strong is because the story did a certain thing that made everything made sense. And that's the same thing with wrestling. You can't review wrestling. You can't talk about wrestling without getting into the detail of whether that decision was right, what it means <clears> for... You, the big thing for me on this show, Jack Sexsmith is a massive story in progress at the moment. I yes. have my critique about it, but I think he... I think they delivered. Uh, I mean, the Gibson match mainly um, was just... That was incredible. Perfect match. I mean, the moments with the crowd, putting him back in the ring. And, you know, I mean, I was was standing up in the living room cheering at the TV. I already knew it was going to happen. But it was such a great moment. And it was just... I mean, Sex Smith might have his ceiling. And, they, you know, they, they tried to make him a bit more serious, but left him with... You know, he still comes out with the Ugg boots on, and mm-hmm. he's still Jack Sexsmith, and I, th- I think you know that that's fine. Uh, that's what makes him popular, and that's what you want to keep. But that was such a such a big story uh, of this weekend, and you can't say whether that's good or bad without going into to what happened. You know, the very fact that he managed to, you know. He'd wrestled Zach Gibson before in progress. Um, he'd been beaten soundly with the Helter Skelter on the floor. He came back here in this match. He got hit with that very same move, but managed to come back. Gets a pop up. He pops up with a big roll up reversal and, and pins Zach Gibson. That was just an absolutely unbelievable moment. Um, and that was one of the highlights of the weekend. So, I mean, as much as. I mean, to go back to the original point, I mean, as much as we're saying that we've got problems with. The, the progress relationship with WWE and I've got plenty myself as well mm. I did feel like this weekend and I don't know if you felt like it in the building that the, they put a few things right I think that they did a good thing with the Sexsmith story um, they seem to be setting something uh, quite interesting with Jimmy Havoc and Mark Haskins yeah yeah uh, yeah the Trent Seven and, and, and Matt Riddle uh, uh, match I mean it was just the, the, the six the perfect six second main event I don't think yeah. they could have done that any better when they hit progress hit and that was really good stuff travis banks winning the tournament really good stuff the women's three-way wasn't the best um but oh. there's still <laughs> do you know a lot of strong things about progress isn't there i i was gonna say with the with the women's match as well and we were more critical than 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 
other people and other people are much more diplomatic about about the criticism. I, I, I think between for for me and Joe, I don't think we were capable of, of that. We were, we were saying that there is an issue where there are some of the women wrestlers they've used and the way the tournament has gone that it hasn't really worked as well as it is, and it's it's not done out of dislike. It's and I think we're coming back onto the the the. The family thing is something that I'm very, very wary of. Ultimately, fans are paying customers. You're branding your fans. You're branding your fans as family. No, they're paying customers. Some of them are much more hardcore, much more into it than others. And he's a very passionate fan base. They're still paying customers. It's like WWE Universe, the Progress family. Yes. Like, there, there are so many sort of parallels and comparisons that you can make at this mm. point. One thing I'll say is I did have a great time. It sounds like I'm really sort of oh. you know, hitting on progress. I did have a great time at Super Strong Star. Well, I, I, mean, Dad, I, couldn't, I couldn't even get down there for the shows. I mean, <laughs> you got to count your blessings. I know you, you missed day one, didn't you, uh, Joe? I mean, what was it like as a, as a weekend? As far I mean, would you recommend... I mean, this was a big change this year, uh, three days worth of shows. Was it uh, better? Was it harder going? I, I certainly found it hard going to watch uh, three shows. I missed the first show because I was at my mate's wedding. Um, so JP and my brother were there on the first night, so I did the second night and the third night, which were, were great. Um, JP could probably tell you a little bit more about the third night. Uh, sorry, the first night. Well, the first night. The three nights in general. I mean, overall, I loved it. I had a brilliant weekend. I, I mean, again, and, and the strengths of progress are always, unfortunately, we kind of, it's, it, I can get hung up on the critical side of it because it ends up bothering me because you kind of think it would be really, really, it, you just wish that they could kind of iron out those slight issues. But, um, in terms of day one, it felt, it was nice that it ended soon enough. It was slightly emptier than it normally was. The spot where we normally stand was actually a bit quieter. Um, there was, uh, in terms of the best match of the night, in terms of Zack Starr was the, was the one that, that worked for me. And again, I, I, I love the same matches really what everybody else did. The Sexsmith moment was the, probably the best moment of the weekend. Mm. Um, and like with what you've said before, Benno, in, in terms of the Sexsmith storyline, that was the moment that really connected. I mean, seeing people cry yeah. around us. I mean, that's, that's still an incredible, that's an incredible sight. And it's, you, you're watching going, this guy's going to be a really big star. It's amazing that in this day and age, you can have a, the whitest of white meat baby faces, really. Absolutely. And he is absolutely that. Yeah, and it, and it, and also as well, it, it works in, you know, it's a progressive storyline to pardon the pun. Um, I, I just think at times they need, and this is again with the, the, the fan base as well is, is, is that they need to be able to accept criticism. Well, they've created a culture like any where constructive criticism. The owners, let's be honest, have created a culture where criticism and critical faculties are seen as bad. Jim's got his podcast, which is a mouthpiece. This is positive. The owners being in that I mean, Facebook thing. I was just going to point out, I mean, I would say that Smallman's podcast was very positive before all the WWE stuff as well. Yeah. I think he is just that kind of guy, although, you know, granted, yet yeah, there's a veneer of, a, of WWE influence there uh, presently, definitely. Sure. I do think as well the owners being in that fan group doesn't help things either because this is access to the owners. They're that far away. They're in touching distance. They can comment on posts as well. And it feels like they've got this kind of like overall watch on what goes on and what conversation. Mm. 
uh, goes on about progress and they can almost dictate and direct the conversation in a way that they want it to go. And I, I think back to forums back in the day and I used to love going on forums and talking about Ring of Honor back in the day. Death Valley Driver Forum, discussing with Rob Naylor where Ring of Honor currently were in like 2005. Gabe wasn't on there having a go at us for maybe you know, criticising... Uh, I don't uh, know about that. Gabe, Gabe was quite uh, heavy <laughs> on the Ring of Honor forum, wasn't he? I remember he getting told... Yeah, I didn't I remember on the Ring of Honor deleted. forum. I used to hate... You know what, Ben? I forgot about the Ring of Honor forum. I used to uh-huh. hate the Ring of Honor forum, and there was a reason that I hated that forum. I was one of those guys, unfortunately, so I can't really talk. I was very much drinking the uh, the Ring of Honor Kool-Aid back then. But I do think, yeah, the, the, this culture of you're being critical, stop being critical, has come about. So you can't post anything critical on a public forum and dis- have an open discussion like that. Now, recently on the Rev Pro fan group, there was a post about wrestlers you may dislike or you may like or dislike. Or you just don't connect with. Yeah, you don't connect with. And people sort of state in reasons why. Andy Quilden chimed in and said, guys, when I first saw this post, I thought, oh, God, what's this? But I read through the post and I thought that everyone's being really objective and it's a really nice discussion and people are talking openly about why they dislike certain wrestlers and why they like certain wrestlers. And that's great. And it was kind of like that is so refreshing because he's understanding that everyone is going to be exempt to criticism in some way and at some point. And he's not trying to sort of bury criticism and kind of kill criticism. And I think in the long term, Progress have done themselves no favours of a lot of fans us in particular with their approach here and I think it's going I can't see it getting better I can only see it getting worse unfortunately I think I mean one just to go back on the the progress fan group I mean just play, play devil's advocate I mean one good thing that you get from kind of that community of fans I know there was I think there was mm. charity work done recently oh yeah I can't yeah I can't the fans and I think I mean I would say that when you I think progress have you could say smartly cultivated this uh, fan Without connection where people think they're part of it. You know, there's people who probably wear a Progress t-shirt every single day of their lives. Cause yeah. so people wear a Progress t-shirt to the polling station and post yeah. themselves going to the polling station with their and Progress I, I, t-shirts on. I was that guy with Ring of Honor and to a point I've been that guy with Progress. I've been a huge fan of Progress and I've been kind of swept up in it in, in more in, mom- in some moments than others. And But I think it pays off as well because you get these big moments, you get the, you know, the Sex Smith stuff. I mean, Going back to the show, I mean, Travis Banks getting his his big win and uh, it kind of had a big fight atmosphere, the main event, and he's now kind of a a big guy and in, in progress. He's the he's the next he's the next big thing. He's the number one contender going forward, and he's one of their own. He's kind of like a, an underdog uh, babyface who's representative of all the fans that are there. So, like I say, there's negatives and there's positives there, but I mean, I don't know. I think this weekend for me. Um, did give a lot of I was feeling negative on progress but there were a lot of good things about these three shows and there's a lot of uh, reason I would probably say to to be positive for progress in the future I think there is it's just that I suppose at the stage where they are mm. they are you you're kind of holding them under a much more critical eye because the standards have been raised and let's face it compared to if god if we had a progress 10 years ago in this country we'd be going absolutely berserk um, and it's, it's just that they're being held to a higher standard because they've, they themselves have raised that standard. Yeah, I'll wrap up and say I do really love kind of progress shows, 
And I do want to go back to progress shows. I don't know if we'll be able to now. Oh, this. yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, the hey, everyone welcome. That's the uh, the logo of progress, and uh, I stand by. Um, but, yeah, I think progress, are, they're, they're still having a strong year. We've got criticism there, but, I mean, we're all going to find ourselves at their shows going forward, aren't they? I know uh, you guys are in Camden this Sunday. I'm going to find myself in Manchester. We're all going to Birmingham as well. So we, we talk a big game, but, yeah, we're all uh, still uh, progress fans at heart. Um, that'll pretty much wrap us up for today then. Um, as far as uh, finding you two guys uh, on the internet, where can uh, they find you on Twitter? I'm at JPJPE. JPJIPEE. Never gets any easier, that JP. No, never will. And Joe? And I'm at LEMSIP, and that's with four P's at the end. You can find me at Benson Richard E. Uh, this, uh, you can also find me on the Law Network with British Audio Wrestling. Uh, we've got another podcast coming out next week um, talking OTT and we'll uh, add a couple of other things in the news with British Wrestling. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that sorts us uh, for another month. Uh, we'll be back soon with another show. If you've got any feedback for the show, please uh, find all, all three of us on Twitter and uh, please visit www.theindycorner.com. Thanks. Hi guys, I just want to tell you about UK Wrestling On Demand. It's a site which features over 250 hours of content from promotions such as Pro Wrestling Chaos, The Shropshire Wrestling Alliance, Ultimate Pro Wrestling, Free Count Wrestling, Britannia Wrestling and Triple X Wrestling. UK Wrestling On Demand will get you some promotions for a set price, but every title can be rented for a price of its own. New content will be added on a weekly basis, so head over to vod.yourfirsight.com and support these British promotions.